Welcome to the Coffee with Creators podcast, a casual conversation with creators about life and experiences. I'm your friend and your host, Michael. Will Bowers, welcome to the Coffee Creators podcast. Thank you for being here. Very, very excited to hear your story because I've been following you on social for a while, actually, even before you started your TikTok page. I know we've been we've, we've been uh, friends on Instagram for, I don't know, maybe a year or more, more probably, but I never see you post anything. And just all of a sudden, I discovered you on TikTok and I'm like, Wait, this is Will. <laughs> this is the guy that, I, that I'm friends with on Instagram. So I want to get to that. But first of all, I just want to say thank you for finding the time and welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, honestly an, an honor. So I appreciate that so much. And I'm excited to talk with you today. So um, it's funny. You say like it's been like a year or so. We, I think, followed each other back in... 2017 or 2016 it's so way actually, back it's, yeah it's been quite a while ago yeah um and and you know I've been around the block um for quite some time I I've been um creating for a very long time and I've had these kind of eras that I've gone through that are very different but well-defined within within my mind so what you see now when I pop up on your for you page or wherever it was that you um saw my my um content coming up from was kind of just this culmination of the past um you know over 10 years of building knowledge and um you know I was really active back in 2017 with photography um that was when initially like I I found your account and I think that's around the time when when you followed me and um, I've taken multiple years, like step back and, and the whole time, like when I take these steps back, I'm still working really hard towards like this end all be all goal that I have for myself. And, um, I'm really doing a lot of effort to put it into, to action at this point in time. So that's why you're seeing more of me and hopefully continue to see more of me. Yeah. It, it's, it almost feels like you were just trying to gather up momentum. Uh, at least that's what I'm hearing from 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 what you just said. So you have all these ideas, all these plans, and all these things that, honestly, typical of a creator, right? Like we have all these ideas that we want to just share, but we're waiting for the perfect time maybe or the perfect vehicle or just the perfect feeling sometimes. Um, but I'd like to hear that. Like I, I want to know what basically inspired you or drove you to actually finally pursue that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, I, I, I've been asking myself this question for a long time and I trace this back to literally childhood. So uh, when I grew up, I fell in love with skateboarding when I was like nine years old. And so all of my my best friends and everyone, we would skateboard together. And I quickly found that I was more interested in um, creating videos of like my best friend, Jared, who was just so much better at than, than I was at skateboarding. And that led to these like really early um, videos that I posted on YouTube in like 2009 on like an old account that's just, I don't even know where it is at this point, but um, just getting into like video editing and kind of learning about how much I actually liked using a camera was really important. And then as time passed, like, you know, in high school, I got this deep obsession with um, Apple products and just tech in general. And I allowed myself to really just um, see the potential of what 
those devices enabled for me. Um, it was around like 2011, 2012 or so is when like obviously social media started blowing up and Instagram started being, um, you know, this, this huge force. And I remember there was a very defined day where I posted something and it got like a hundred likes. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of people that just <laughs> saw something that I did. And um, I think ever since that day forward, it's always been like, okay, wait a minute. Like there's a barrier that's been removed now. Like I can make something and this can be seen by lots of people. So ever since that day, it's just been figuring out exactly what I want my voice to be really and and going forward, um, like evolving that. So uh, I don't know if you, you knew this, you probably didn't, but um, shortly after that, around 2013 or so, I got really into Twitch streaming. And so like, Oh, no, my biggest roots as a creator and like where um, where like most of the people know me from like early on came from uh, like live streaming culture. Like I did Twitch streaming from 2013 to 2017, like pretty regularly. And I had like a, a pretty um, like awesome community that I built through that. And I made lots of friends like all over the world that I still talk to to this day. And um, it, it ended up around 2017, like the momentum wasn't necessarily where I wanted it to be. So I was like, okay. Um, I listened to a podcast back then that talked about how, you know, if you want to really make it as a creator or you want to really accomplish something, you know, in life that's really hard, you should commit yourself for 10 years and expect nothing out of it for 10 years. And I think that I took that to heart in such a, um, like real tangible way that that's why I've been okay taking these years where like, maybe you don't see me as much, but in the background, like I'm still working towards this end all be all mm -hmm. goal and. Um, yeah, I was stepping away from streaming in 2017 and getting obsessed with photography and everything around the time that, um, I found, I found you and then moving forward after that, it was the pandemic is kind of the shift that happened where, uh, I stepped back and said, okay, hold on. Like this could either be a really bad thing or it could be a really good thing if I reframe this as like an opportunity to pivot and to really attack what I've been working on. And. So around, it was like 2021 or so is when I started actually streaming again and then moved that into short form content because I think that's like the most um, explosive way for growth and has been the best for me so far. So it's just kind of evolving past that now. Yeah, no, no. First of all, it's kind of cool that you started streaming back in 2013 because, I mean, even for me, Twitch is such a niche, um, it's sort of content, right? Like it's yeah. only... People who use Twitch actually know how that works. It's not as wide, widely, I guess, um, it's not as, main, it's mainstream, but it's not as accessible to most people like Instagram, for example, or Twitter right. even. So to, for you to be doing that back in 2013, that's actually really cool. I mean, you're a veteran at this point. You're much more <laughs> experienced than me, which is very <laughs> surprising. And yeah, you're right. I, I had no idea. And Maybe that's why when I first saw your your TikTok, I'm like, is this the same Will that that I've been following, who's just quiet in the background, you know, taking photos and stuff? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I couldn't like there was this disconnect because I felt like you've been doing this for a while. So this actually answers that question. So yeah. what um what was the thing though, like with Twitch that you that you enjoyed? I'm imagining the the community. Is that why you started doing that? Yeah, um, Twitch has definitely evolved quite a lot since I have been active on it. But when I had that kind of reemergence back onto Twitch in 2021, um, the feeling of community is really at the core of like why live streaming is so, so nice. And I think that 
Um, I have this theory that like going forward in, in the, the next few years, um, live streaming is going to make like another big resurgence or, or will make an even bigger resurgence because of things like AI making it hard to know sometimes whether a photo is real. And I'm a bit, you know, audio, like I'm sure you've heard some of the crazy stuff lately about yeah. like, is yeah. this real or not? So, you know, live streaming is kind of an opportunity to in a very like, um, real way interact with people that support you and I, I do have intentions on getting back into that and integrating that into like my content schedule that I've been building um, with this kind of new focus now it'll look a lot different than what I was doing back then obviously but I think that it's just the the community aspect of it and there's a culture behind it that's felt um, really only if you do it regularly so it, it's mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun what what's a regular schedule for you during twi your Twitch days? Like, is it at every day? Well, it's been a while since I've done that, but there was, um, yeah, towards the end of 2021, I was doing it pretty close to daily. And I even did like uh, this event that I called 25 Days of Willsmas, where like the month of December, I streamed um, every day straight. And that was like both for like building, uh, you know, a regular schedule for myself, but also just to kind of create this community event type thing that was happening. And that was kind of, where I was having the most fun with it. Um, I wasn't like a massive streamer by any means, but I had a really, really dedicated, like supportive community who still like supports the stuff that I'm doing now. So it's cool. Like, uh, I think that some of the aspects of discord, uh, it's almost like a direct extension of live streaming. Discord just is mm -hmm. this really hyper-focused community that is there because they want to, to support you or have a deeper connection with you. And streaming is like, a, a really cool way to be able to interact in real time with uh, a right. creator or just a person. How long do, do your streams usually last? Back then I would do like three hours was kind of the goal that I would aim for. That's yeah, crazy. I, it, it definitely has changed a lot over the years. Um, I, I do a lot of studying. Like I, a, a part of why I'm so inactive for so long and it's a good thing and a bad thing is um, I like to look at who's doing something in like a space that I want to be better at. And mm -hmm. I do these like deep dives <laughs> where I can, you know, understand fully like the mechanics of what they're doing. And I can understand like, okay, so where did they initially gain their traction and what are some of the unique things that makes their content style stand out? So for me, it was um, a few different streamers over the years, but really I studied a lot of Ludwig and I think that he compared or he created this type of, uh, content formula where when he goes live, he had this idea that he was working on. And essentially he was basically filming a YouTube video while he was live because there was like a focus of the stream. So it wasn't just aimless and every, like every, all the viewers knew exactly what he was looking to build and what he was looking to do. And then they were excited because they're part of this video that he crafts. And then he takes that unique idea, edits it. And you know, that ends up being a YouTube channel or a YouTube video. And so that was kind of what I was doing a lot of my stream. Like I was definitely inspired a lot by that formula, just picking out um, oftentimes very silly ideas uh, that were kind of uh, kind of crazy and uh, just making form, you know, making content that I could then upload to YouTube after. So um, it was nice being able to experience like that kind of formula. And I think that while maybe it was a bit m more like his style than like my own at that point in time, it's something that like I've learned every step of the way, like I've learned from things like that to where now I can apply that type of thinking towards live content in the future once I get back into it.
Yeah. No, I mean, that's not, I mean, it's not even the same as like you're trying to copy his content, right? It's, yeah. it's, you're, you're looking for the best practices, the best, the best techniques, the best, um, it's like processes or processes basically. Mm -hmm. And I totally respect that. Who, who is this person again? I don't know if I follow him or I'm familiar with him. Yeah. So Ludwig is, um, one of the largest streamers like in the in the live streaming space right now he was primarily twitch and he uh, he held the all-time sub record on twitch for um i want to say like a year or two and that recently was just um dethroned like most subscribers on the platform he had like 270,000 or something like that it was kind of insane and he ended up signing a deal with youtube so he live streams on youtube now and so oh, it's kind of really interesting there's like this um, land grab for live streaming services between Twitch, yeah. YouTube, and now this Kick website. And so, yeah, he. I've been hearing about Kick. Is so is that? That's fairly new, right? Kick is fairly new. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's something that a lot of creators are kind of testing the waters with because they offer better um, revenue split than some of the competitors. But there's uh, it, there's some controversy tied up in the website that we probably don't have to get too deep into. But it's it's a uh, a good opportunity for creators for right now. And I'm curious to see kind of where it goes um, as yeah. it evolves because having more competition is better for, for anything really. It just pushes this, the, you know, industry forward. Exactly. Competition is good. Competition, competition is always good because I feel like, you know, we win when, when yeah. companies compete, we win. So I think, um, I think it's a very interesting time for, for creators. And I couldn't believe, like I never would have thought that, we would be in the situation where literal companies are fighting for your attention for creators to actually sign up and say, we'll pay you money. Just create the content here and share it with your audience. And I think this just, um, it's very interesting to, to witness this change because like not even three years ago, we were all saying, uh, you know, this thing, it's not a real job. That used to be a joke that Chelsea and I used to say in the early days of Coffee Creators. It's not even a real job. We're just talking here. We're just sharing stuff with pictures of our offices and stuff. And it's become a career. And it really is a, a job. And even my wife has come around and realized that there's so much work that needs to be, to be done just for a single piece of content. Like I used to say, or she used to think that when I take photos on Instagram, I just take the photos and that's it. Like there's actually a lot more. And not only that, like mentally, this is something that I struggle with that I, I try to explain to her that when I'm in my work, I guess, uh, schedule, I try to think of ideas and I try to plan the content and I post them and I plan the rest. And it's like just writing the script, for example, takes me about, I don't know, a couple of hours, I would say a day just to write a script. And it's not even a complete script. Most of the time it's just like crap and I have to redo it again. And it's mentally taxing to the point where at the end of the day, I just don't want to do anything. I'm just like so tired. And she's like, why are you so tired? You're just in the office. I'm like, I'm, it's, very, it's very tiring. So it's one of those things that I'm still struggling with. Maybe because I feel like I need to explain that to people that it's not that what I do isn't as easy as it sounds. Can you confirm mm -hmm. that, Will, or is it, am I being crazy? Oh, my goodness, 100%. <laughs> uh, I hear these stories about how every, like, 
majority of kids nowadays want to be a YouTuber. That's like the most popular sought after career path. And I think that if you know you're going to be a creative person, you just know it. And that's, you should lean into that. Like if you feel truly deeply within, like there's no alternative, then definitely pursue that, chase that. But the reality of when things start to work and by work, I just mean more people start to see what it is that you do. There's this interesting pressure that happens where it's as soon as you have a piece of content that gets seen by lots of people or consumed by lots of people, it's like after the initial dopamine rush of that comes down, then it's like, okay, I need to do that again. How do I do that again? And so there's this yeah. pressure that's put on you to continue making stuff. Um, and like you say, when it comes to scripting, when it comes to actually uh, having the agency to create the schedules for yourself and to create the, you know, we, we wear so many, so many different like shoes when it comes to this role. Like you have to be good at so many things that maybe you don't anticipate needing to be good at before you actually get really deep into it. So yeah, yeah it's very mentally taxing and there are lots of days where, um, I spend my entire day working on, you know, one video and then I, I wrap it up and, I'm still trying to figure out that schedule for myself too because there was a while where I was like batch filming stuff. I was like batch writing and batch filming content in one day and that works. But um, lately it's been harder to do that because uh, I just find that um, my ideas are maybe a bit, like I'm, I'm a bit more nimble with some of the stuff that I'm able to put out if I'm doing it day of. So um, I need that's to probably get back true. to batch content. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I tried batch um, like preparing my content in batches as well. And while it, it, like you said, it does work, it can only get you so far because I think the best ideas are always fresh, right? Like the best, uh, content are always like the ones that just jump out of you. Usually it's, it's when I'm in the shower, it's like, Oh, <laughs> Same, I gotta write actually. this. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I gotta write this. I gotta do this. Or I gotta pitch this. And these are just the fun, the fun bits about being a creator. When you're starting to create the stuff, you're, you, you want to share the ideas in your head. And I just want to say, too, that as a, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in this generation where, the, you know, the, the, the term starving artist is a real thing, right? Like if you are creative, even my dad, when he was still alive, he didn't really believe in what I did or what I was passionate about. Growing up, even I was in, when I was in high school, he would jokingly say, what are you going to do? Are you going to draw? as for a living. And, you know, he, it was a joke, but I understand. I, I mean, I understood what he, he meant because at that time, no one really valued uh, anyone's like creative creativity, unless you're a known musician or an artist or anything that's basically published or people can recognize. They don't really value your content in that way, but now it's so different. And so going back to what you said, that pressure, I mean, first the excitement of wanting to share something. Like, I know when I share, create this and I share this, people are going to resonate with it and they're going to enjoy it. And yeah, that dopamine rush, it's just like, I finally feel like I'm connecting with, with the audience that I like or my audience. And there's this satisfaction with being able to share your work and people just enjoying it. But then after that, the pressure is definitely on. And that's the fun part. That's the fun part, just creating. Um, it gets even more fun when you get paid, but that's pretty much it because all the work in the background is not fun at all. <laughs> I mean, personally, I just don't enjoy it. We're not even talking about deal flow, right? We're not even talking about the whole, okay, what are we planning six months from now? 
three months from now, next year. And like, um, I remember when I used to be employed, all I had to worry about was showing up the next day and then just worrying about, you know, when is Friday coming and what am I going to do for the weekend? And then after that, I just show up again on Monday. I don't have to worry about anything. And this is why when I got laid off, I was just like, well, that sucks. But then at the same time, like, I was thinking, like, at least I'm not thinking about where the company needs to go, right? All I have to think about is, okay, who else is going to pay me? So if, you know, people, I guess, recognize that and realize that when you are a creator in this economy, it literally is like a business. And that's like yeah. the unsexy part of it. And I think yeah. I understand now why you kind of spend so much time in the background trying to formulate all these these ideas and all these these content and Honestly, I wish I was like that too. Like I could just take a break and be like, you know what? I just want to do this. I mean, but my, I guess yeah. my niche is just not like that. And yeah. I probably wouldn't last as well. I'm just, I'm like a little kid still. Like I, I, I want to share something. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just create something out of the blue and just share it just because I feel like it. And I think that's the feeling that I'm always chasing after being able to share on the fly is what I enjoy the most. So I'm trying to find that middle ground because fact is, even if I did that, and I, I mean, if I did that, but I didn't plan it, if I didn't make any um, smart decisions, it's just going to drain my bank account <laughs> and nothing's, and I can't sustain it, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the thing about it. Like, I just can't sustain it. But, you know, anyway, um, I just wanted to point out too, like, what you did live streaming, I don't know if I can do that because it takes, I had this conversation with a, with my cousin and he was very much interested in live streaming years ago, but then he realized that it takes a lot of energy to do that. Like I, oh, yeah. I tried doing this multiple times, even just as a live podcast, for example, and to sustain that energy is just so taxing. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I had a friend staying over and he was, uh, he was watching me record a YouTube video. And he said, his ob observation was like, why are you so animated? And I'm like, <laughs> you have to be animated. I promise you, you have yeah. to be animated because on camera, if you talk like how you normally would talk to like a person right in front of you, if you do that on camera, you look like, you just have no energy at all and you just don't care. And he's like, really? He's like, and I'm like, yes. And so I did the whole maybe like 30 minutes of recording myself. And then after I published the video, he watched it. He's like, you are absolutely correct. You look completely normal. And <laughs> like the, the, the end result, result makes you look like you're normal. So when you're doing live stream, Will, do you, do you feel like you have to sustain that same excitement or energy or you just do your thing? I don't know. I can't imagine. Uh, so um, I'm glad you brought this up because it's something that I've been dealing and thinking a lot about this week. So just quick backstory, like when it comes to learning how to do photography, a lot of people, when they start to learn how to edit photos, their initial like ramp up from going from just like a raw photo that they took with their phone to trying to edit it is usually it ends up very over edited and very like oversaturated, over vibrant. We all go through this. Like I had this phase back uh, you know, a few years back and eventually you kind of are able to look at it because in the moment you're like, oh yeah, this this feels right. This feels 
it looks great. And then later on, you look back at it and you're like, oh, actually, I was doing a bit too much with that. And you kind of settle back into this um, more maybe subdued or like unique style to whatever, once, once you understand better what you're looking to do. And so as I ramped into short form content, I had this problem where I was very uncomfortable talking to a camera for some reason, even though I've done streaming for all those years. And um, what it had led to was talking faster because it's short form, right? You have to hold people's attention. So you just have to talk faster and then you have to be more animated and like, like, oh, Apple just released it. And, and <laughs> eventually I got to this point where I watched, uh, like I, I posted a video that was absolutely not an ad but people kept saying it was an ad. Like they felt like it was an ad. And I noticed that when when I I almost um, created this too like corporate seeming thing, like it felt mm -hmm. like very not authentic once I was reaching that level of like, I was comfortable in front of the camera and stylistically I was trying to talk fast and talk very, very animated like you say. But now what I've kind of started to do is settle back into a closer version to like my real self. Obviously there has to be some amount of animation that you're doing when you're, when you're making content because it's just, it's, I think it just works, but I'm, I'm kind of settling back now from that phase of being overly animated. And now it's like, there's still animation. I'm still definitely talking to a camera in a way that's very unique to talking to a camera. But to answer your question for live streaming, uh, the people who do it best usually do hold their character for the entire stream. And it is, I, I say character because it is almost like a character that you create while yes. you're doing that. Uh -huh. Some people, they can be their true authentic self. And maybe if they're just gaming like that, if, if you're doing just gaming content, that can kind of um, carry a lot of the content because people are watching it maybe for a competitive game or for a story-based game. But what it really comes down to is people are watching you for your personality on a, on a live stream and, and, almost every instance, unless it's like for esports, but uh, usually character is something that people do very carefully craft and they spend a lot of time on it. And um, I'll use Ludwig as an example again, he has kind of his, his YouTuber voice that he snaps into and he's definitely stepped back from that uh, in, in current years. But yeah, when I was streaming, there was definitely um, like an inflection of the voice that um, event, like I would end a stream and I couldn't talk. I, I just had to drink like tea and stuff because my voice was just so raspy because you're just the whole time, like you feel like you're on. And uh, I know other people who have dealt with this as well. So yeah, you do over the course of a three hour stream, really exhaust yourself. You if feel like you just went to the yeah. gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like mentally, it feels like you're just playing chess for like five hours. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It, it is really tough to do well. And it's a skill that can only be built by doing it. And I think that considering how much time I've invested in it in the past, when I go back to doing it after not having done it for a long time, I'm really bad at it for like two or three weeks. And then eventually it kind of, I ramp back into it again, but mm -hmm. it's, hard to keep people engaged because in, at the end of the day, like you're asking people to spend their chunk of time with you. And especially if you're doing it on, on a schedule, like a three hour block of day of the day, that's a long time. And mm -hmm. I would have people that would spend that three hour block of their evening watching me stream. So yeah. I always reproach it as like, I want to make sure that I'm doing justice to you and providing whatever the value is that you're receiving from this. And that's at the end of the day, like value is at the end of everything that I do now. So it's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. It's so funny that this is the first time I've had this conversation about having that different persona mm -hmm. when, um, when you're on, 
And I realized this a few months ago. I was at a, um, what do you call this? A family gathering. And I've been, you know, I saw some family that I haven't seen in, in a while. Sorry, there's like a plane passing by. I don't know if you can hear it. Um, so I forgot what I said, but I said uh, something, a very specific line. And I said it in a way that, you know, to me is feel, feels natural already because I've been doing it. I've been recording myself for a while now. But truthfully, when I'm with friends and family, I'm not like that. But I just said this one line. And then my brother-in-law, he just laughs. He's like, oh, so yeah, that's his, that, that's his YouTuber voice. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I realized, like, you're right. Like, it, you, you do have to turn it on. You just have to turn it on, like, realize that, okay, I'm recording. You have to present yourself in a certain way. And, that's, and I think that's why, that's why I'm happy when I'm not recording. Not that I'm not happy when I'm recording, because I do enjoy it. But there is that sense of relief that I can finally settle back in and be like, okay, you know, I, I can just relax. I can just walk to the grocery store and not talk to anyone, not have to um, maintain a certain energy or, you know, sometimes even I would just rather wear headphones and not talk to people at all because yeah. it's, it's, it's very tiring. And it's also very interesting to think that like all these things, like I think society never was never really prepared for this. Um, we date, I mean, from both sides, like from a creator's perspective and from the audience perspective, because I guess from the audience perspective, we always thought that it's easy. It's awesome. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be this and that, because it's like, I mean, you hear this left and right. They'll say, uh, if only, if only I can do what he does, they, they pay him to, um, to make something, to take pictures of something. And they think that it's so easy. And maybe in, in the beginning, you also think it's easy, but it's actually not. It's, it's, it's so much work. And especially now for me, I have um, a six-year-old daughter, and she's my biggest supporter on YouTube, which is funny because I <laughs> didn't even know this. Um, I have an account that she uses, and it's like a, I keep that, that Google account safe. I always monitor it. And so she uses it to watch her videos, right? I realized that she's been commenting on my videos. <laughs> like, like what, what are you, like, what are you doing? I told her, don't, don't do this. And she's like, no, I just want to watch your videos, daddy. And then, so I'm like, okay, fine. So she, I let her watch it. And then at the end of the day, she'll just say, hey, daddy, I remember in your last video, you said this. And now I'm like, I'm always trying to make sure that however I present myself on video or even just in social in general, I have to be very careful because my kids are watching, yeah. right? And it's it's one of those pressures as well that I wish I could just have a, a separate character and be like, ah, you know, this, but it's it's really not the case for me at least. I can't do that. I can't, I have to remain authentic, but at the same time, higher energy. Yeah. I don't know if that's, that makes, does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. it makes perfect <laughs> sense. I'm actually really happy that you brought that up too, because okay. it's, uh, this is something that I really struggled with, with posting. And so it's why you never knew about my live streaming, because while I was doing the photography that I was doing, I wasn't sharing the aspects of my live streaming, you know, content anywhere else. I, I kept my socials very segmented back then. And that was, I think, out of a fear of, how people would perceive me maybe like within my personal life. And I was afraid of like the judgment 
but like you say, like there's obviously obviously other factors that go into that with family and kids and everything. That so, what I've noticed is um, I met a, a fellow creator here in in my area, and they just talked about how I'm like more chill in person than on my videos. They expected me to be that kind of more upbeat, like fast talking, uh, eccentric kind of personality. And my real personality is a lot different. It's kind of how I'm talking to you now. So I, what I ended up realizing is I focus so much on value on what the content is that I'm making. At the end of the day, I am very confident in what I'm making, but I want to maybe bring it back to like real life a little bit. So that's where like introducing more personality into my my videos and and trying to pivot into a little bit more lifestyle-y is mm. it's hard because like you say like you're worried about how's this brand going to feel about this? How's this person going to feel about this? And I think um Carter PCs is another tech creator, one of the biggest um might be the biggest tech creator on TikTok. He's he's really high up there. He made a video where he talked about how he's still in high school. So he has like his teachers that are watching his videos and he has other students that are watching his videos. And then he has the president of Sony Electronics watching his videos and PR reps at Apple watching his videos. And he just kind of said, you know, I'm going to upset somebody with whatever I say. Like someone is not going to like things that I say or they may perceive them in ways that are not genuine to how I mean them. So he kind of just mentioned if he allowed that to stop him from uploading, he would just never upload again. And so you just have to, I think, find like this balance of feeling really confident and sure in what you're making. And that evolves over time. Like for me, yes. trying to slow down the talking and be a bit more authentic in how I deliver my, my content while still providing people that value is my biggest focus right now. But I think it is scary when sometimes you'll you'll make a thing and you're thinking of oh the specific person watching it like how would yeah. they how would they think about that you know and so it, it does exactly just come back to what you said just being authentic being yourself yes you have to play things up a bit because that's just the nature of the business and there are there is like a character like an on camera character that we all hold and that's okay as long as that character is true to who you are. If it's just exactly. like a complete 180 from your real life versus what you are on camera, that's when there's a problem because there's like an authenticity issue. But I think right. that as long as you're able to still feel confident that you can talk to someone and be like, oh, yeah, this is how I talk on camera, you know, yeah, <laughs> they'll be like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> it's like, There's a good observation that I made, um, or I thought it was a good observation. It's just a funny observation uh, when I went to CES this year. And so uh, remember that, I don't know if it, you're, you're, I'm sure you're active on Reddit, or at least you're, you lurk on Reddit every so often, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll see posts of people kind of making fun of um, influencers, like influencers in the wild, where they're yeah. holding the <laughs> camera and they're like, I'm right here, blah, 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 like really loud. And so they make fun of, um, of influ influencers like that, right? And so when I went to CES this year, I knew there were going to be a couple of influencers there because this was probably the biggest um, or the, the only, I've been to three CESs. This one was definitely the one that was the most open to influencers. Mm. And I was expecting a lot more and I definitely set, uh, saw more and I met a couple of people. And so my, my expectations was that I'm, I'm going to see a lot of those, like those vlogging and just like being really loud and kind of obnoxious. Mm. It was quite the opposite. It was actually mm. quite the opposite. And yeah, it's very interesting to see that a lot of these creators 
are like you and I, very reserved in person, very respectful, right? Talk to people like normal. Yeah. And then you watch your TikTok, they're like, oh, there, there it is. Like he turned on his, his TikTok voice or his persona. <laughs> and I actually met with a couple of them. We went to go eat and very, very nice people. And it's so funny how the, I guess, the, the public's perception of influencers are so um, outdated, right? Like creators in general are just, they're just normal people. And they yeah. have to present their content in a way that's attractive to their audience, right? But if you meet them, you wouldn't even think that they were, they had like a million followers or they had like hundred thousands of followers. It's, it's kind of cool, actually. It was actually really cool. And so that was just like an observation that I, um, that I had in this last CES, which I, by the way, I, I know I said this to you on Twitter, you should, you should try to plan attending CES next year. I'm definitely going to yeah. go back. It's, it's, Oh, yeah. it, it was very much a, a very good experience for me. I've watched every CES online since probably 2013, 2014. So it's wow. something I wanted to go this year. And one of my biggest focuses as like my socials ramp up is the opportunities to travel and meet other creators. That's something that I want, you know, so much to, to be a regular part of like my routine. So, uh, you know, I've been making really nice connections with a bunch of the creators in my area here. And um, I've met some really, really lovely people. It's probably my favorite aspect so far of like creating this kind of creator business around what I'm doing is that I get to have these conversations with people who are like-minded and it's like, we don't really have coworkers <laughs> no, other than just other creators. So then when you get to have a conversation with people who are doing the same things, like even if it's a different niche or a different topic or a totally different medium, there's this kind of shared understanding of like, oh yeah, like this is really hard and it's just kind of nice yeah. to be able to talk to people. So going to those events and uh, there's a bunch of people out like in California that I want to meet up with. There's a bunch of people in Toronto that were are in the tech space I want to meet up with. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping within the next year to be able to, to meet a lot more of those people that I'm interacting with regularly online anyway. So <laughs> that would be very cool. I mean, to a point where it's almost therapeutic actually to actually talk to other people who do something like what you do. Um, so let's shift the conversation a little bit. Let's go back to what you actually do. Um, and I have a few questions, but where do you mostly uh, share your content? So definitely TikTok is the biggest platform for me, hands down. And that is by design. I recognized that it offered the most explosive growth potential to go from zero to a hundred real quick. And that was what I wanted to um, kind of do just because like we, we talked about, I've spent over 10 years now building up all these little skills and collecting these little pieces of knowledge with live streaming and photo and video and editing. Like I've pieced so many of these things together. And so last summer I just was like, okay, I am ready. Like I have everything that I need. I have an understanding of, like SEO at this point, I have an understanding, uh, you know, of just the mechanics of kind of the business that goes on behind things. I, I did a lot of study behind that. So I asked myself, what is going to be the best way to kind of move forward and, and step into short form content? Because I've just been pushing it off for whatever reason for a long time, even though I knew it was the best option for me. And so I came up with this idea that I was going to make a YouTube video, which was just going to be 30 days of posting on TikTok because I wanted to see what would happen if I posted every day on TikTok for 30 days. And I had this old account that um, it's like privated and I haven't touched it in over a year now. Well, 
close to a year now because it was last summer, but I posted 27 days and I tried different types of things that I observed worked back in 2020 and none of them really worked. And mm. I had one video that I made about this um, monitor that I use and it did okay. And I was like, okay, interesting. So I asked myself towards the end of the month, okay, I have like four days left in the month. What can I do to make a really impactful video? Because the goal of this YouTube video was I wanted to see if I could get something that got up to 10,000 views because I'd never had that many views on a single piece of my content. And on the 27th of the month, I created a new account because I had a theory that maybe creating a new account would help with discovery. And from day one, I said, okay, I'm passionate about tech. I know a lot about tech and I can help people learn about their tech, specifically things with Apple products. So I created just this non-negotiable, I am not going to make this about me at all. I am not even going to talk about my opinions. I'm going to just make things that help people from day one. And the first two videos, I, I uploaded two videos on, on, I think the day after that, like on the 28th of the month. And I, as the day went on, it was crazy because it just, the first one started picking up traction. The second one started picking up traction and out of nowhere, um, it passed like over 12,000 views. And to me, it was like this light bulb moment where I'm like, okay, everything that I've been building, uh, I felt confident in my knowledge to, to make things that people will enjoy. And that ended up that, you know, that moment I was like, oh, okay, I got this. Like, this is what I'm going to put my head down towards and just work, work at for the next however long it takes. So I've been really grinding out content since then. Uh, I ended up, I think, doing 60 days back then without missing a beat. And the YouTube video never got made because uh, the goal changed to like, okay, well, now I want it to be how quickly I got to like 10,000 followers, which happened, I think, in under 60 days. And then it just kept snowballing, snowballing. And then I had this strategy of like, okay, cool. We're going into the end of the year. It's like when all the Apple products tend to be announced on, on, you know, usually. And I had observed a few creators the year prior have these really explosive growth cycles around the time that the Apple products, um, came out, uh, a creator named Jayhawk was one of those. And he's oh, yeah. doing, he's I follow him. it right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I watched a lot of his YouTube videos the year before, and he saw a lot of growth during that Apple season. And he was covering a lot of Apple-based like MacBook products and things. So to me, I realized, okay, if I already know about this topic, I should use this like quarter four, like new tech season to just see how much I can grow this. And so when the iPhone 14 was announced, I made a video that uh, was just a very honest thing. Like I didn't like the base model iPhone 14's offerings compared to previous years because they reused a chip for the first time like that. And that video, as of right now, has 8.2 million views <laughs> because I made a video <laughs> talking about how I think people shouldn't buy that phone. So as funny as it is, like I, people call me like this Apple fanboy, my most popular piece of content is advising people not to not buy to an buy. Apple product. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so and, and you know, I've had uh, an unbelievable amount of uh, of growth so much so to where it feels very like fake sometimes. Like I, I definitely deal with imposter syndrome quite often. I think a lot of us do, but what I've built is this short form understanding of TikTok that around the new year and around the time that the TikTok ban really started to become more of a reality, it was a bit of a, a wake up call because I started posting my content towards YouTube shorts and towards reels around the new year, YouTube shorts a little earlier. 
And I've seen some success on both of those, but nothing close to what TikTok offers. And that's just because TikTok's algorithm is so good. And if you make a video that can help people or that is a, you know, a good video, it, they're really good at getting that in front of people because of just how the algorithm works. And the type of content that does well on TikTok does not do well on universally on all of the other short form platforms. Yeah. So with this TikTok ban looming, my focus has now shifted to, okay, I need to get good at the other short form, you know, platforms because they're, you know, these companies have such an incentive right now to make theirs the best that it can be. So they are trying to incentivize, like, we are going to push your content to people if it's good. As long as you're making content that's good for that platform, it should get seen. And I think that that is true. If you're making stuff that fits the platform, it will, you know, be received by people. Um, and then just this bigger question of, you know, short form the 30 day challenge existed as this medium or as this practice for me to every single day without negotiation, make something and share it. And I got really comfortable making things. I got really comfortable sharing things. And what it created was this almost pressure cooker of understanding like the mechanics of how to make things. And I got better with my on camera presence. I got better with my cinematography, with my editing, with my scripting, every part of it got dramatically better by just forcing myself to make something so consistently. And so for me, like that's why I think short form is amazing because you can make something, it can get seen by a lot of people and they're not, people probably aren't going to come back to that. So it's like, there's just this kind of just keep going, just keep making stuff, keep evolving. And it's to me the most fun way to improve because you can test ideas, you can test new formats and it's very low stakes. Whereas if you invest a lot of time into a YouTube video or a live stream, that's like an entire direction that you have to take it. The investment is larger and it can hurt worse. It can hurt more if, if the content ends up failing. So, Oh yeah. I, I see that a lot. There's a lot of talk on Twitter about with, between YouTubers about the content, not performing, you know, as expected and I get it. Like it is painful, especially when you have to present it to a brand and or pitch an idea to a brand. It kind of sucks because it's like that is still the metric that a lot of these brands um, use, which, you know, I get it, but I would argue it's not the only metric that they should be using. I mean, I'm always like focused on um, serving my audience, right? So it's not about how many people can see it. It's yeah. about how many people trust me enough or trust my word that this product or this service is actually good that, you know, obviously converts to a, a sale. And that's what, you know, that's, that's basically what, um, how it is, right. That's, that's how business works, right. It's not necessarily because you always hear this argument about, um, Oh, we work with this, this other creator and he has this many views. I'm like, well, I can't guarantee you views. I mean, th yeah. just this, this thing that you just told us, right. Like you shared with us, every platform has, um, it's not going to perform just because it's like a, a particular content. It's not going to perform. It's not guaranteed to perform well. So it's it's going to resonate to my audience, but not to the entire like community, right? So I think um, brands are starting to learn that or understand that, which makes me excited because I feel like it's going to make negotiations a lot easier in the future. And it's just going to be, better for us, I think, as creators. Because now the, 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 the barrier for entry is a little bit lower. You don't have to have 100,000 followers, 100,000 or a million followers to actually earn money. And I think that's, a, that's an important um, thing for a lot of new creators to understand. Yep. You don't have to focus on that, that um, vanity metric, 
right? I mean, there is there is a purpose for it, but it's not the end all be all of, of the negotiation. But Will, all the things that you said, it, honestly, it's a gold mine. I want there's so much to unpack that I want to cover, but yeah. I'm going to focus on. I'd, I'd say the whole TikTok banning because uh, yeah. you, you just mentioned it. I mean, let's uh, let's give the audience a little bit of um, backstory about that. Like, why is TikTok? Um, why is there a possibility of it being banned? It it's not the first time uh, this conversation of of the ban happening this year is not the first time. Actually, back during the previous uh, Trump administration, they looked to ban it then as well. And I remember hearing that back then, and it was the first time I had ever heard of like our government talking about removing a social media platform in that type of capacity. And I watched it very closely back then because that was I was streaming at that point, and I was not making short form content, but I knew like short form content would probably be important. I knew of the importance of TikTok back when it was called Musically, and I just for whatever reason have ignored posting on it until last year. So. I think uh, last summer I realized, okay, I need to get going with this. And now it's been almost mentally, I've had in my mind this idea of it's probably going to get banned at some point. So use mm -hmm. it while it's still, um, you know, as, as, as lucrative and can be this, this um, almost trampoline into being able to have other opportunities. But the government is essentially looking at TikTok as this threat because it's um, parent company ByteDance is like Chinese owned. So there's this conversation of data security, um, whether or not like the company has access to US data security. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, there are definitely some things that I've heard and that I've seen within like all of the stuff that's come out around the band that makes me say, yeah, that does seem a little shady. Maybe that's not the yeah. best thing that we should be doing. And so mm -hmm. I think what, it really comes down to is at the end of the day, every single social media platform is harvesting data and selling data. And that that's a fact. Like every company, every social media platform knows a lot about their users. They're both people who are making things and the people who are consuming those things. And so it's not a specific problem to TikTok. It is every single company that is doing this. The mm -hmm. data eventually makes itself outside of the US anyway through the sale of the personal data from these different companies. So what I think should be happening is more of a conversation on data security and what that means for social media because it's a bit of the Wild West right now. But the administration is, the current administration is pretty set, uh, at least the way they appear, is to be very set on banning the app, um, which, you know, obviously I have a lot of opinions on it. So, yeah, that, yeah that's kind of I what's mean, going on right now is yeah. that it's probably, like, you know, they brought in the CEO of TikTok and they just kind of grilled him oh, for a while. Was, and some of the terrible. clips, yeah, some I of the clips that came out of that. Were bad. Yeah, same. Yeah, because it's like, yeah. it, it's very unreasonable. The questions that you're asking, it, you know, he basically just walked into a, a room full of people who've already made up their mind, yeah. right? And so it's like, okay, this is pointless. And, you know, he did bring up a couple, like, I didn't watch the whole thing, but, you know, just the fact that Meta has been doing this, right, basically, for yeah. for a long time, didn't seem to bother. I mean, it obviously was a problem, but it never came up to like to this point. And I think it no. is has to do with the fact that it has, you know, ByteDance is owned by, uh, you know, by Ch China, basically. And so yeah. there is a national security concern there, which I understand as well. But 
to us, like it, it does suck for creators because we've, you know, a lot of people have built their following, their, their, their way of living through this app. And to be, for that to be just taken away, it's just, I mean, that's, it's unfortunate. I, I understand. I hope it, I hope they find um, a way to, to avoid that. But how do you feel about it? Like, since your biggest following is on TikTok, is that why you're focusing now? I think you mentioned that you're focusing now on YouTube Reels or, or YouTube, I mean, not YouTube Reels, uh, Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. Is that correct? Yeah. So my big focus right now is getting better at Reels and Instagram, um, making something that can grow there because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of, value comes from the Instagram platform and YouTube eventually long form is like my end all be all goal is I I've always seen myself as a long form creator so that's what I'm working towards and short form has helped me tighten up my skills to get to that point but when it comes to the TikTok ban what it what it did was it created this sense of uh, like a wake up call for me where I realized that I've been a bit comfortable with my content for a few months I created a style that worked on TikTok and I've just been kind of pumping that out because it's been working. And when I stepped back and looked at it and I said, okay, wait a minute, how do I grow outside of just this one platform? I realized that maybe I hadn't been keeping up with the progression that some of the other people in like my, my niche have. So it's created this sense of just focus for me to get better at the others because at the end of the day, I have this true feeling with the TikTok band that there are two ways that we as creators can handle it. And that is you can either let it completely crush you and you can be demotivated by it. Like for someone like myself, it's my largest platform. You know, it would be pretty devastating to just lose that overnight. And there was definitely an amount of like existentialism that I felt because of the, the realization that that could happen. But I think that the other way that I would like to deal with that or the, the second way to look at it is to realize that if you've built that as your largest platform, you understood how to make things that were received by people in a way that mattered. And that can be repeated on any other platform, whether it's harder or not, that's a different story because I do think that the other platform is just organically growing. It is harder, but for someone like myself, like I felt a little maybe demotivated, like, oh, my other platforms are much smaller. Uh, like I'm, I'm really only good at making TikToks or whatever. But when I step back, I still have videos on these other platforms that have done amazing. And I haven't put the true amount of focus into those other platforms that I have for TikTok. So my current stance on this right now is I'm finding this balance of making videos per week that I think like at least one video per week that can perform on on each different platform independently. Like I think this video might do a little bit better for Instagram. This one might be better for TikTok and this one might be better for YouTube. But also stepping back and realizing that I have built up kind of an, a technical understanding of talking to a camera and making and editing and things that now I can use that knowledge towards making something that I really want to make. Like, cause it's easy to get caught up in saying, Oh my goodness. Like I need, I need to like keep up with the trend and I need to make what's popular right now. And for me, it's like, there's a balance. You can make stuff that's popular. You can make stuff that's value driven, but also you can take this opportunity, like this shift of will the ban happen? Will it not? And make something, um, maybe that I want to be making a little bit more at this point, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it's important for, it always boils down to what you want to create because that's something you can sustain. 
if you're going to have to, if you're chasing after what's trendy, you definitely can't sustain that because that can only take you so far before you're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And plus, I feel like you lose that, you know, authenticity because you're not being yourself. You're just trying to be, you know, the next thing that goes viral. And I know people who, who are just chasing after virality and, you know, I guess they enjoy it, but I can also see how stressed they are. And I'm like, well, just create something that's sustainable, something that you can you can um, revisit and come back to every day. Because, the, you know, if I were to summarize this whole conversation, Will, it's um, from your life experience uh, creating content, it's always about being able to adapt, kind of like being just always on your toes and realizing when it's time to move and shift. And also just the, what probably the most important skill that anyone can can uh, apply to their life is basically practice. You know, you just have to keep showing up and just keep practicing because the natural evolution of that is that you just get better. You get better and you get better. And then people, that's when people look at you and say, oh, I don't have the skills. I don't have the same um, ability as Will. Well, the real secret there is Will's been doing this in the background for the last 10 years, you know? He did the work. And I think that's uh, that's how I would... There's so many things, actually, that you just said. I'm trying to write, like, this list in my head of the things that <laughs> I wanted to talk about. But maybe we'll do that again on um, the next time I have you back. But definitely, I think this was a really great conversation. I wish we could deep dive deeper, but I feel like we should save that for a separate episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd that. love that. Yeah, kind of to summarize, like you say, is just to, um, if you know you want to do something, commit yourself to it because that's that's how you get somewhere in life is to keep showing up and keep putting in the reps. And um, we can't control if a, if a ban happens on any of these platforms, but what we can control is how we react to the news of that. And if you allow yourself to be defeated by something like that, then you're removing the the agency to kind of control your own emotions and your own path forward. And so it's just, it's obviously unfortunate if it does happen, it will hurt the businesses of a lot of creators. It, it, lot you know, of creators it, yeah. It's not something that I ever want to see happen. And I, I do hope that it doesn't, but if it does, the, the attention and the audience will move elsewhere. And if you are committed, if you're committed enough to build a giant audience there, then that commitment doesn't just disappear unless you allow it to. So, yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, it's very unfortunate if it does happen, but I'm not, not the least bit scared. Like I've said this before, even for Instagram, Instagram or YouTube or anything, if, if for whatever reason, hopefully it doesn't happen, but for whatever reason, they all get taken away it doesn't take away the skill that I've learned in, you know, that I picked up, you know, so I basically what I'm saying is that I can always create the content and I, it's just a matter of finding or having the audience find me again. That's really just the biggest problem, but no one took away my ability to create the content, the skills that I've learned. And I think that's a very, very important lesson. And I'm glad you actually said that Will, because it's very true. And I think a lot of people who might be afraid of what, the future can bring um just know that like your audience isn't following instagram or tiktok or youtube your audience is following you and yep. i think if you if you realize that like um 
like my conversation with my wife a few weeks ago, uh, he just, she just mentioned that, um, she had, she know, she knows people that were just laid off. And so she's, you know, she's obviously worried. And I'm like, you know, what's funny is that the job that's paying you the money, they're not just giving you the money because, you know, because they're just being nice to you. They're giving you money because of the skill that you're providing or the, yeah, the service that you're providing. So that goes back to the skill that you have, the skills that you have. And guess what? Wherever you go, you take those skills with you. So someone else is going to pay you. It's just not just this, not this company. So if, you know, I feel like if people understand that, that the value is really, I guess, attached to you. And it really depends on what type of create uh, stuff that you create. And because the only reason I say that, Will, because I know some people who do a lot of reposts, right? Like re the repost accounts. Yeah. Those are the guys that are going to have some problems because they, yeah. they don't create their content. It's like they're just yeah. resharing other people's content. So they're the ones who are going to have the biggest problems, I think. But um, anyway, we can, we can go on to like different tangents in this conversation and I would love to, but let's, let's save that for another um, episode because I would definitely would love, love, love to have you back here. Um, yeah. So much to talk about and I'm very, very <laughs> glad that you found the time because it's so nice to actually finally see you, I guess, you know, in a way like in real for not in yeah. real life, but like actual, in actual like camera, I guess, and actually talk to you since we've been friends on Instagram for since 2017 or so. This yeah. is amazing. And I'm super happy yeah. for your growth. Um, I'm excited to see how you grow your, um, or watch you grow on Instagram and on YouTube. Hopefully I can watch, I can see you uh, in your long form content eventually. Cause I don't know what you're, what you're cooking in the background, right? Like you might be working in the background for all these, these things. That's, that seems yeah. to be your track record. So I'm excited. Yeah. excited for <laughs> I'm cooking a lot. And it, it's the thing where it's like, it's maybe me getting my own way a little bit too much. And so I just have to start. And if it's bad at first, then it'll get better. But yeah, that, yeah. that's very soon for me. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Well, well, where can they find you on social media? Uh, that's my handles are a little scattered right now, but um, Instagram and Twitter is will BWRS. Um, TikTok is will.mov, and then YouTube is just my name, Will Bowers. Okay. You're on Twitter too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. Twitter, Twitter is the, oh. yeah, same as, as Instagram, will oh, okay. BWRS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go follow Will. He's awesome. His content is really good, by the way. And I look forward to, to finally meeting you in person. Hopefully, oh, yeah. maybe we don't have to wait till CES. Let's see. Whatever you, yeah, you no, come I, visit. I yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, that, that would be cool. So anyway, thank you again for, for being here. And I'll hope, I hope to have you back very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. And thank you so much for having me, my friend.